welcome back to Asians Represent. My name is Daniel, and this is episode three of our read-through of the Kara Tour, the Eastern Realms campaign setting. Um, I had to start by first apologizing. Um, unfortunately, we had some technical issues with the uh, different tracks for this uh, episode, and so what I had to do was actually take the video and convert it into a single track MP3, and uh, which isn't ideal. Uh, so uh, I'm going to get ahead of myself and apologize for the audio quality. Uh, that said, this is the final podcast episode of 2020. The final episode we're uploading to this feed for 2020, and what a year it's been. We've had you know, a switch to doing a lot of live streaming. We started a YouTube channel with multiple shows. This has grown from something small that Agatha and I have started to, you know, a full-fledged, a full-fledged business uh, involving myself, Agatha, Jade, and Amar. Uh, we started this amazing Discord community with some incredible moderators, administrators, and we just... We're just so proud of everything that the Asians Represent community and the TTRBG community uh, has done in 2020 and how everyone has kind of rallied together uh, to support each other. Uh, that said, um, please enjoy the last podcast episode of 2020, episode three of our Kara Tour, the Eastern Realms read through. <laughs> things we we skipped last month we had we we weren't able to do it but we're back so i want to start by kind of framing what this series is about right everything we do on asians represent is intended to create conversation introduce new perspectives and create spaces for asian voices in the ttrpg industry now when we talk about caratur L5R, Al-Kadim, Oriental Adventures, and most recently, as in like yesterday, uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, you know, we are providing critical analysis, but we are not attacking you, the viewer, the listener, the consumer of that product, right? Uh, stories are like people. You can, you can love them, but it doesn't make them perfect, no matter how much you try to overlook their flaws. And so what we're trying to do is help you become a more um, critical and insightful consumer of these products. Now, a couple of things that we want to frame when we are looking at Oriental Adventures, and this is something that Steve and I kind of came up with when we were reading the, the Oriental Adventures handbook earlier this year. There are four fundamental problems with the Oriental Adventures handbook and in general depictions of Asians in AD&D. Uh, and it kind of extends into D&D 5th edition as well. The first one is that the world building is based on harmful real-world stereotypes and the reductive blending of cultures, ethnic groups, and time periods. Now, this isn't the result of racism or malicious intent, but rather an example of how the appreciation of cultural stereotypes can result in the creation of a tool for creating an other. Okay. Um, and this itself can be harmful or problematic as it places certain themes in very prominent positions and it conveys the importance of tropes to readers who might not know about these cultures. Uh, the second one, Asians are seen as violent and savage. 
um, violent in that they're just constantly tackling horses or uh, savage in that they're, you know, all the, the Mongolians are just riding around on horses and killing people. No, that's not the case. Um, kind of related to that, Asians are seen as uncivilized and in need of saving. These Asian campaign settings are often depicted as places where uh, foreign Western characters can come and save the day. Uh, and then the last one, Asians are seen as objects of fetishization. So, uh, you know, we see um, like very poor portrayals of Asian characters in these sort of fetishized positions. Um, so those are the kind of four fundamental problems that we're working with when we are reading through character of the Eastern realms. Now, last time we were on page five of the PDF. If you're following along, uh, this is episode three of this podcast slash stream. So I think we're making solid ground. We're catching up to the Al-Kadim folks who have made it past chapter one. Um, uh, but they've had more episodes than us. So in the last episode, we kind of started talking about the monasteries and temples of the Sholung priesthood, um, basically all of their Kung Fu temples. Um, we ended on the Strong Claw Monastery because I went back and I watched the last one. And the last half of that episode is us laughing about bear style Kung Fu and tackling horses. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, I believe we are on the Order of Silence now. So our goal for today is to get through Order of Silence. And Mackenzie is like, can we get through all of the monk orders? Yeah. So our goal is to get past <laughs> Order of Silence, Order of the Nimble Hunter, White Crane Temple, and Order of the Dragon Monastery. Then we'll be getting into like government and politics, which I think will be a really interesting discussion, except... I just looked ahead and it said the Emperor Kai of Shou Qin, which is supposed to be China, is a 10th level samurai. So there's, oh. some to, there's some things to talk about there. You know, things to look forward to. <laughs> um, and I think so that's a... Much. Yeah, but I think that's a solid... I think that's a solid example of how earlier books like Oriental Adventures kind of set a framework for which all of the other products have to work. So since Oriental Adventures included the sort of the knightly character of the samurai, that means that any other publication that is related to Oriental Adventures has to use that nomenclature. So I personally wouldn't dwell on that here. I just thought it was funny. Um, but having the emperor be a 10th level samurai isn't the fault of the Karatur book. It's actually the fault of Oriental Adventures for creating that framework. Um, and it's a perfect example of why you know, the harm from a single book will, you know, kind of stack and compound into other products. So that's why we're so diligent in our read-through of Caratour, because Caratour is still mentioned in 5th edition D&D in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide and the Player's Handbook, actually, and the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, and the cookbook. And the cookbook. And the cookbook. We literally, <laughs> literally <laughs> last noodles. night, literally last night, we were reading through the Caratour noodles recipe on our Discord. Um, and I don't know if you folks, because I think Mackenzie, you talked, you were, you talked about it a bit. Did you, did you folks actually read the flavor text for the Caratour noodles? I think I did, and then I immediately blotted it out of okay. my memory. Okay. So this kind of relates to. <laughs> relates to Caratour, the Eastern Realms here. One of the things that they do here. So I'll read this out to you and then we can go back to the order of silence. 
But Karachu Noodles. Few nations on the planet Toral are as powerful or influential as the human empire of Sholung, found in the vast region of Karatur. While this region boasts distinct religions and a proud culture, it also possesses an equally strong culinary tradition. Although there is sparse interaction or conflict between the city-states of the Sword Coast and Karatur, many of its tea leaves, such as Pale Jade, Fim Fim, Dragon's Eye, and Long Jing, are imported in significant quantities by Faerunian traders. And certain dishes, including various noodles, have made the long migration west as well. While you won't find this stir-fried entree on just any tavern menu, it has found its way into the more modern eateries of cultural epicenters such as Waterdeep. A heaping bowl of noodles flash-cooked in a deep oil-drizzled skillet, along with chunks of chicken, vegetables, and a salty soy sauce, or garum, a fish-based sauce, um, has become a popular change of pace from the traditional roasts and soups of the Sword Coast. So, what they said was... At the very beginning, they're like, Karatur has religion and culture, so exotic. They also have culinary traditions, so Surprise, exotic. Surprise, they have food. Surprise. Surprise! Surprise. But also, Why do they have what? But also, this, this recipe is, is, isn't even a Karatur recipe. It's a recipe that you would eat in Waterdeep. It's like Panda Express. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like, yeah, it's last like night I was like... Express God. level of, uh, of, of... I read the recipe and I was like... I was like, really? Could they have not at least have consulted one, one person well, about the, this? Well, the recipe is also just like super bland. It's just like oh yeah, it's super bland. It's, it's, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I was like, who wrote this cookbook? Because I really need to like have words about it. And there's there's so much potential. But anyways, I thought that was very interesting in that in how they they framed it as a recipe that you would eat not in Karatur, but in Waterdeep. Water yeah. Um, yep. Which is interesting. Um, but anyways, I, you know, if people were like, what is Karatur? And the, the point I was trying to make is when, when people are like, oh, what are what Karatur noodles? What is this Karatur? And they go and they, they kind of go on D&D Beyond because that's probably the best way to find out. Mm-hmm. And they'll search Karatur and they'll just find like the honor rules. They'll find the Karatur description in Sword Coast Guide. They'll find Karatur names in the player's handbook. And then they'll be like, I want to know. Subclass. Yep. And then they'll be like, I want to know more about the world of Karatur, because that sounds neat. And then they... they're like, here's six different types of monks. And then they'll go to this book. <laughs> so that's why, you know, I'm very grateful for the fact that, you know, the four of you are joining me on this journey to read this book, because this book still has a great effect on how people play D&D now, even though it's from an edition of D&D that many people are not playing. Uh, so that's why it's important. But anyways, let's go to the order of silence. And we'll just be silent. No. You got it. In my head, I was hoping, I was like, let's go to the order of silence. And then I hope everybody catches that subtle cue to just be like, don't say anything. Um, the, this entire moment paragraph. Moment of silence here. For- <laughs> yeah. Actually, the entire section is just a bunch of ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, this temple of the Cobra School is the unapproved mona- uh, is one is of the unapproved monastic orders, possibly related to the temple of Quiet what? Sliding. What? Sorry, I was. <laughs> is it like a cha cha slide, but like everyone is real quiet? It's like really quiet. Uh, so, so, so I'm di- I'm dyslexic, so when I was reading it, I, I had to 
Mackenzie, you did this too. You went and leaned into your screen. Um, <laughs> I had to like stop and be like, the temple of quiet sliding. Okay, in Chu Yuan, two centuries so it, ago. Like, moonwalks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everyone just moonwalks. I'm hoping that the I'm hoping that the temple of quiet sliding will come up in later on in the book so we can actually provide some context because right now and i think one of you mentioned this before they're just kind of throwing names at us without any context um yep. as a kind of way to like flesh out the world but it's a lot of superficial detail um anyways uh two centuries ago the monk huo seng fiery hate i i don't know if that translates um, it also doesn't sound very monk-like. It doesn't sound monk like. <laughs> Also, again, but this angry. Is the, this is the unapproved monk order. That's true. Quiet sliding. Yeah, they're unapproved. They are, they are an offshoot of the quiet sliding. So they were like, we. I don't want to just be silent when I'm sliding. I just want to be silent all the time. So they were the order of silence. But also very angry. But also very, also angry. very angry. So... Maybe they were angry that they could only be quiet when they're sliding. We'll see. Uh, two centuries ago, the monk, fiery hate, um, returned from his travels to find his large, prosperous merchant clan had been wiped out by the armies of Prince, Prince Shin Ginsen. Ginsen. That's the... That's very Japanese. Very sounds. Japanese yeah. sounding. Yeah. Very, yeah. Okay. Uh, ostensibly, the wealthy Tian Lun family had given aid to the forces of Prince Shin Lu. Uh, but it was more likely that the avaricious Prince Ginsen, that's thrown me off, killed them so that he could seize their properties for his war effort. Returning to his home poor and clanless, Huo Seng, a student of the Cobra School of Kung Fu, gathered, to, gathered together other homeless men and shared his knowledge with them. This was the foundation of the Order of Silence, also known as the Order of the Cobra, which has survived to this day. Right. Okay. What? Okay. So, I, okay, lots well, of political backstabbing and a and a and basically Hosung basically decided to have a secret monk order to basically ra with rallied with all their home other homeless people. Okay. Yeah, but I don't <clears throat> Okay. What's the motivation? What's the, yeah, cuz it's like there's this there's this backstabbing which you know is all over history, so like it's believable. Um but what is Huo Seng's relationship to, I guess, okay, his clan was wiped out. Oh, is he Sasuke? Oh, uh, God, oh no. He, yes, he is. He's Sasuke who's going through he's the, Sasuke, the and then of, of Itachi. That means, oh, that, that means that Shin Ginsen is Itachi. Sorry. Um, the monks of the order vow never to speak until all injustice is eradicated from the lands. In the wars between Sho and Tulung, they defended the local people with incredible ferocity, showing mercy to neither side. When the generals of the armies tried to crush the monks, they seemed to slither away into the wilderness. By slide. Slide. <laughs> moon walks away. <laughs> uh, can you imagine an army just moonwalking out? Well, no, it's, it's, that like, it's that like gif of like Homer disappearing into the bush, except it's yeah. all these D&D monks who are moonwalking away to the forest. Yep, yep. Um, they go, retreat. 
Uh, <laughs> very quiet about it, too. Yeah, very quiet. Angry. Um, finding brute force useless, the nobles of the show attempted to court the order with rich gifts of land and money. These Ho-Seng... Uh, these Ho-Seng... You use. oh this grammatically is very weird. Used wow. to build yeah. a great monastery to Chan Cheng, although he would never, to the last, choose a side in the conflict. This is why the order remains unapproved by the bureaucracy. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Okay. I, I like so that. bureaucracy validates an order. Okay. I mean, in many ways, that that, that makes sense, I guess, yeah. especially in well, historical China. But, like, I think the thing here is, like, they tried to bribe him with land and money, and then he took the land and money and built a great monastery, but then didn't decide to side choose a side in the conflict despite taking you know, you, these bribes you know mo, you know most chi- most chinese nobles would take offense to that and decide to just wipe them out <laughs> yeah yeah well, okay also there's like a weird grammatical thing where okay so we know that whole saying is a person but it mm-hmm. seems like these whole saying it seems like all of the homeless monk men that he like gathered are now all They've Whole all thing? they've all taken on his name. Yeah, I, I think that, I think it's supposed thing? to be like the yeah. I, I think I think it's supposed to be Ho Sang used these, these to build a great yeah. monastery. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what they're trying to say. Ah, okay. But yeah. grammatically, the way you're reading, it, it's like whoa, all of these whoa. homeless men who became monks <laughs> took become, on his name. They all become Hassan. Is that really what it is? But you know what? Honestly, that's kind of neat if they all took on his name because it's like who's the yeah. real one. I'm sorry, Chris. Like, the thing that's making me most upset about this is that, like, it's kind of, like, the concept of, like, having a, like, a group, like, a group in the world that, like, is nonverbal or specifically chooses not to speak or use verbal communication, whether it, it that's super cool for people who maybe just aren't nonverbal or struggle with being verbal or people who choose to do that. That's super cool and provides a really awesome way to world build and add things in like sign language and accessibility. That's super freaking cool. If you talk about that stuff. Yep. Yeah. If you talk about that stuff. But but here's here's the thing. They've like you make a very, very valid point. That's really neat. If that had been written in the exact way that you had just said. Mm-hmm. Here they're just like they've just chosen to take a vow of silence until injustice has yeah. been eradicated, and they kind of stop there. It's like <laughs> they were like, "How do the?" I feel like they had like a mood board, and they were like, "Order of Silence, that's a cool name. How do we justify the name?" But also the Order of Silence, aka Temple of the Cobra. Like, so how do we how do we bring about how do we evoke these two names? The first one is like, "Well, easy. They'll take a vow of silence, and then they slither away into the wilderness." Um, I think this would have been a perfect place to say, like, hey, they have a really unique form of sign language that only members of their order know. Um, kind of like, you know, like in D&D, the thieves can't. Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. the druidic speech would be, this would be their example of sign language. And that would be super neat. And that's just such a missed opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just more quiet sliding. <laughs> whatever whatever that is yeah maybe that's I don't uh. um so and then it says unfortunately power and hatred have corrupted the charitable ideals of the silent order now up until this point they haven't really talked about charity they've talked about you know fighting injustice 
with violence. And they've talked about taking bribes and building great temples out of these bribes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, while the monks still protect the common people uh, from the depredations of the nobles, it has also become a source of fear throughout the southern provinces. Travelers are welcome at the temple as long as they accept the arrogant ways of the monks and do not disturb the local people. The cobra, lowercase, the, the cobra is considered sacred to this order. Oh, I see. The cobra is considered sacred to this order, and many roam the grounds of the temple freely. It is forbidden to kill one, even if, even in self-defense. There is a 60% chance of encountering a cobra during any given day, but only a 5% chance that the cobra will attack if encountered, and they are very used to humans. All right, okay. thanks for that. Okay. Uh, that's such an I like a good statistic. game mechanics. That's some, that's yeah, some, like, that's roll, some a paragraph. That's some AD&D shit right there. Roll for Cobra Bite. Yeah, roll, roll for Cobra Bite. Like, roll a D100. Give me... Tell me. It's, but it's just like, like it's, it's literally like telling the GM, like when they go to the, the Cobra Temple, you have to roll to see if they'll encounter a Cobra and to see if they get yeah. attacked. Yeah, um, and also like if you sit down on so a... many fun things afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and then there's other things to talk about. Let's finish this paragraph. Uh, <laughs> the monks of the order admire dangerous people, but hold little regard for arms and armor. One reason they have never developed a Sohe brotherhood within the temple. Um, the fair is excellent and plentiful, featuring many unusual specialties of the South, except of course Cobra. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh boy! Oh, wow! Boy. Well, there's so much in those two paragraphs. My God! That was like one paragraph, and they're like, "There's lots of snakes, but also like." But also, like, you won't be eating snake there. I feel. Oh my God! I and feel also all this geez. random stuff about like armor and the relationships within this their structure, but also like, yeah, you're not gonna eat snake. I feel like me, me me reading the Caratour noodles recipe was the perfect lead up into this. Hey, Unintentionally. It's like, this, it's like this, let's let's talk let's break down this culinary part because it's like you oh. yeah, let's talk about how the fare is good and exotic and and delicious but no snake. Like but and what unusual. else could you possibly eat? Well yeah, cuz they said like unusual specialties right. of the south because you like, I think we all know what people might be like, oh, dog? Like, like people are going to start mm -hmm. thinking that because it's like, oh, but they can't eat cobra because the cobra is sacred to them. But they're going to eat everything else. But the thing is, they're like unusual specialties of the South. The South of what? Like, we yeah. looked at this map. And it's, like, <laughs> it's like, which South are we referring like, to? Is, is snake a big thing in the South of wherever? Like... I mean, I've, I've, be surprised? Eaten, I've eaten snake, <laughs> and it's not that snake. exotic. It's not that exotic. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had tasty. snake. It's 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 a very lean meat. You gotta like stew it, maybe slow mm. cook. It's bony. It's very bony. bony. <laughs> Care for a lot of bones. Ooh. Yeah, but but like here's the thing. I love how they say unusual specialties of the south because if this is in the south, because this is in the southern provinces, these wouldn't be unusual. These would be foods that are. Understood by the people of this region. Yeah, it's, it's unless not they're like, trying to frame yeah. the temple as having its own unique culinary traditions that are modifications of southern cuisine. Didn't say it though. Well, they didn't say <laughs> it though. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it, also, it's, it's funny because yeah. southern Chinese food is the most common 
food in North America. If you're looking at Chinese yes. culinary traditions, it's the most common one um, yeah. here. So it's the least exotic of the Chinese culinary traditions. Um, since we started at the bottom of that paragraph, let's work our way up. Um, <laughs> we kind this of random statement about like liking dangerous people, but not arms and armor, and not having a Sohei Brotherhood. Like, what does that have to do with the snakes or the food? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it all seems kind yeah. of thrown together. And another, oh yeah, and another thing. Like oh, a fast another thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think, okay, this is a tie-in to Oriental Adventures because they talk about how the Sohei are like, you know, the they're like the, the Asian paladins. They're like protectors of monasteries and, and temples and stuff like that. Um, so I think that this is just kind of their way of showing how this, the Order of Silence and the Cobra Temple are different from other monasteries and that they don't have this order that you would expect at them. It's just a really awkward place to put it in there. Uh, it's like they, they admire dangerous people, but they have little regards for arms and armors, but they don't explain why they don't, they have, they hold little yeah. regard for arms and armor, right? We like, talked about, we were actually at like, Emma, you were in this discussion. We were having a discussion on our, our discord server yesterday about cyberpunk. Uh, like the video game that comes out next week and how the Asian gang and cyberpunk, they all have katanas and they're never depicted with guns. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is, this is kind of a, a segue into this, but like, okay. Sorry. you have to have, Oh, that's okay. You have to have good reasoning. You have to have good reasoning for why they have little regard for arms and armor. Otherwise you're just saying mm -hmm. that like, they're just really good with their hands and feet and knees and elbows and head. But, but why? Right? Um, I think if you think about like Kung Fu temples and Kung Fu orders, they are very proficient with weapons. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be a reason why they don't. And they just kind of just say, no, they, they don't like them. They just like, admired. But an admiration of dangerous yeah. people doesn't really tie into the fact that you don't use weapons and armor. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, go ahead, Mackenzie. Sorry. Like, I, like I, the reason that uh, the only reason I can see, and it sort of ties into one of the points you mentioned about, um, you know, Orientalism and then exotifying Asians as dangerous and savage, is that people like to believe that proficiency in blacksmithing and arm and like iron weapons equates to order and civilization, and you know. These are the, like, as someone mentioned in chat, these are like the quote unquote evil monks. These are the, the they're protected mm -hmm. as like the, the hateful and dangerous and they're predict they're portrayed as that savage stereotype. And so they have little regard for arms and armor because like plate mail and, uh, you know, and armor and all that stuff is like, oh, that's signs of, you know, society. Civility. They, yeah, civility, mm -hmm. because that's the European standard of like the knight in shining armor and sort of deal. And it purposefully ignores a lot of the really good and skillful weapons that were created throughout Asia, as well as the variety of weapons and the variety of fighting styles, as well as armor. Like we had so much armor. Yeah. Yep. We had so yep. much armor. Yeah. Not all I think, of it was I, iron based, but we had real good armor, y'all. I think yeah. everyone should just go on YouTube and search up Ranton and watch Ranton's videos about the Shaolin Temple. 
Honestly, mm-hmm. that guy's a legend. Um, I, I, so here's the thing, though. And, and Mackenzie, you brought this up. This is something that we see in in current edition of D&D. The distinction, and I mean, it, it's it's a little bit better than it was before, but in third edition D&D, because I know, Emma, you've never played D&D, in third edition at 3.5, there was like simple, martial, and exotic weapons. Those were the three categories. And they were all very arbitrary. Now mm-hmm. we just have simple and martial weapons. Mm-hmm. But the explanation for what is a simple and martial weapon is kind of, it's a little weird. Um, if you... You take that sort of game design principle and you let people go and you create their own D&D products. They go and then they use these same categories, simple and martial, so that they are compatible with what is the mainstream D&D, which is the, you know, the official products. Um, so here you're basically saying they don't use simple or martial weapons at all. Um, so I think later on we're going to hopefully have a chapter on weapons so we can talk about that. Um, but that's something I want us to keep in, and the audience too, uh, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. How are they portraying the use of arms and armor here? Because Mackenzie, you brought up a super good point. Um, mm-hmm. This is a way of othering them and very subtly saying, oh yes, there's, they're, because in the writer's room, I'm sure they're like, oh, they're too good for arms and armor, right? They're too good for that. They don't need that. Um, but that's not how it reads. Um, yeah. Now, um, when we talk about that, we talk about like the lack of civility. This is juxtaposed against the last paragraph because I kind of read ahead, and they talk about how the monks sleep in comfortable rooms and often have personal servants and stuff like that. But we still need uh, to unpack this paragraph. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was just like, I, um, <laughs> I think there's also like an element of like, um, I guess, genderized roles being placed here especially when you uh, when we unpack the sentence like they admire dangerous people and like throughout all of this there's definitely a sense of violence like going throughout this entire section maybe just because like everyone's fighting um but i mean this this sense of like oh this all male all cis male i assume like like group of monks basically this is how your adventurers could maybe you know form an alliance with them like they maybe think that you're dangerous too as any like righteous dude ought to be like macho macho dude so it definitely kind of like builds this idea of like this um uncivilized to kind of uh bounce off what Mackenzie said about like the lack of armor this uncivilized pure idea of like machismo um, essentially where you don't, we don't need armor. We we're dangerous without it. Like this is how we regain and keep respect by, um, you know, portraying ourselves as these incredibly dangerous, like very scary people, like scary monk order who only use our fists, um, and communicate without words. It's it, 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 I definitely feel like it kind of ties into that sort of toxic masculinity thing of like, we don't talk about our feelings. We, we don't. We just, point. we just punch people. <laughs> we just, we just punch people and we live in this dope temple and there are just cobras everywhere and there's a 5% yeah, chance like, they might attack you. And we yeah, it's like a toxic just took the bribe and just, and just said F them. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. This is like toxic masculinity temple, essentially. God, it's, it's, I'm real. It's like, 
what is it toxic youtuber mansions in la oh it's like a tiktok mansion oh uh oh it's exactly yeah. what it is this cobra is everywhere this is, this is like the, the the jake paul house yeah the jake paul house oh god oh god Ooh. Okay, well, that's what it is in my head now. Thank you. Ow. <laughs> we'll just moonwalk into the apartment. moonwalk. <laughs> Let's, uh... Pass the cobras. You can Let... only moonwalk in this entire mansion. You can't do it any... You cannot traverse any other way. It's just... Oh, just... They're... Okay, so, like, before they were like, we'll fight against order. Then they take a bribe, build a temple, and become arrogant a-holes. And then who just yep. keep... The, the cobra part... Is like, yeah, I get that they're trying to make this place seem with like, you know, scary and dangerous and exotic, very Temple of Doom. Um, mm -hmm. But then, like, they put the the sixty percent chance you'll encounter a cobra and a five percent chance it'll attack you is just comical. Yeah, like, I just cobras everywhere, but they're used to people, so it's okay. Roll a d one hundred to see if you get attacked. Okay, combat time. I just imagine like there's like the scholar, the the scholar who did this research, like like sat in this temple for a while, just like observing all of the different instances and mathematically charting. Like, okay, this is a five percent chance. I observed precisely five percent <laughs> attacks amongst one hundred different encounters. It's like there's a stack of paper. It's all tables and charts, and it's just yes, like it's every, every day. It's like chronologue of every snake-related incident. See, I don't even think like Cobra Commander in GI Joe just has cobras slithering around, but they no. do. Here. So let's they get let's get here. to let's get to the last paragraph. So uh, the current abbot is Koi. Okay, Kuizu Sly Words, a small, slight, quick man. Politically agile as well as outstanding, as well as an outstanding martial artist. That is a really weird to read. Um, he supports the traditions of the temple, the many hours of meditation, kung fu practice, and temple chants and ceremonies. But menial labor is now done only by novices or hired labor. The monks sleep in comfortable rooms and often have personal servants. The vow of silence is less strictly enforced and seems to be totally absent among the higher ranks of the order. Mackenzie, are you going to say something? <laughs> no, I'm just... God, the one cool thing that I mentioned earlier. Oh, it's gone now. <laughs> it's gone now, yeah. It's like, here's this awesome thing. And here it is in the trash can 20 seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> and also, let's include some hierarchy in there. Yeah. Let's include some hierarchy. Let's completely just, like, re reversal all the things we just said and just go off on that. And it's just like, mm, so, so you did all this build up for what? So, yeah. so here's the thing. It's just like, is this really a monastery at this point? Sounds like a snake-filled, like, Airbnb. <laughs> Really? It's a snake-filled frat house. It's That's a snake-filled snake frat house. Oh my god! So instead, of like, ah. instead of robot house, it's snake house. <laughs> oh my god! So, just, like, side note: I was an RA in college, and some kid, like, it was the only uh, dorm that allowed like pets. And this kid drove up with all like fourteen boa constrictors that he bred. Like he was breeding them. He was an aerospace engineer person, but also bred snakes. Um, and we were like, no, you can't have them all here. So he took them to the frat house that his older brother was in. 
And they just let them go. I think I think this episode is going to be called the snake filled frat house of character. <laughs> Which the... is a thing that happened. So I just like to let you know. Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, I don't know if I'm ha- thrilled or horrified that there is a real world equivalent. So, so <laughs> it was really funny. I was just like, I'm just going to take this note. And I just typed it into my browser just so I'd remember it. And I, go- I hit enter and it Google searched snake filled frat house of Caratour. And the first four things are. Giant Snake, Forgotten Realms Wiki. Layers of the Abyss, Forgotten Realms Wiki. Caratour Shaking Events, Candlekeep.com. And, oh, wait. Oh, no. And then Forgotten Realms Bibliography and Dragon Magazine Issue 121. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but now the, the order doesn't sound like an order anymore. It sounds like a mafia like that's what it literally sounds like. It sounds like a mafia. Like you, they terrorize. Like people are still the normal people are like they're not terrified of them. They apparently are a buffer between the like lay people and the bureaucracy. But it's still like, but people are still like, oh, you don't want to cross them. So that reads like Godfather mafia stuff to me. Yeah. At least but, in terms of, but is this yeah. a, is this a monastery? It's. Because these, these, this isn't a, this is no longer a workplace f- of monastic individuals. This isn't a place of worship. This isn't. This is just a castle. It sounds like it's just a castle. Some some it's like monastery it's a stuff bunch is of happening. Snake squatters. <laughs> snake squatters. Yeah, I guess they're they're just they're meditating and practicing kung fu. Yeah, and then they're chanting. What I find tricky with this is there's no sense of time. Like, I thought they were describing it as it is, but suddenly they're like, oh, no, there's a different habit. This is what they do now. It's like, oh, so it's no longer the person you just spent a lot of time talking about. They're no longer in charge. Are they alive? Yeah, there is no sense of time yeah. at all. It's like, and and now this. Yeah. They don't, <laughs> lots of snakes, they don't eat them. It, it's it's like, is, it, yeah. it feels like one of those things that's like, all the all the different components is a bunch of sticky notes just compiled together. <laughs> like you said, it, like a, it feels like a mood board where here's these other here's these great things we put on the mood board and then we just put it into some some kind of order of some variety and here we go. Yeah, yeah. I just think that um, I think it's interesting because they they don't really talk about. Um, what else happens? Because, like, if you think about monastery, right here, it's just like, okay, their monastery consists of a place to train in Kung Fu, a place to meditate, and a place to chant. And they have uh, rooms to sleep in, and they have servants. But, but, but like, what else goes what? there? Like, but chant about oh. what? Do they have a library? Do you have a, a repository of their own knowledge? Um, why are they still called the Order of Silence if they're not silent? And they are, you know very socially public I, I would assume that the abbots since they have all this clout go out and they interact with people what is the why would you come to the order of silence if they are no if the leadership doesn't practice what they preach um i mean if i were to create like a story hook it would be like you're you're coming to the order of silence to convince these monks to work with you against a bureaucracy like that seems to be the only thing that they seem to actively oppose from time to time or like 
some for like some other tyrant, a tyrant maybe. I don't know. Like, I think that's all they do. Yeah. But they become, but, a, but it, it makes no sense because they go from, unfortunately, power and hatred has corrupted them. And it's like, then you have, and then it's like, here's the current abbot who doesn't seem to indicate any of those things. And it's like, um, okay. So where are we in this? Yeah. Duh. Maybe forest thing. You just come and see the snakes. You roll to see if you get an encounter. And then you go. And then you go. anger a bunch of monks so they can then try to beat you up. Or it's just like, yo, we're... Or it's like the adventuring party's like, we're dangerous people. We should go here. Yes, we're, we're dangerous people. Let us go to the uh, temple of toxic yeah. masculinity. But anyways, let, let's let's move on because we've got we've got Order of the Nimble Hunter, the crane, and we've got the dragon. So we should, we've got an hour to get these done. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We'll do this Hello. for Mackenzie because Mackenzie's like, let's get past the monasteries. I just, yeah. I want to try. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. So, Order of the Nimble Hunter. Uh, this temple-based order is located in the imperial capital of Kotalung, uh, in Wangquo Province. If you look at that map with the what was it? All the aggressively beige map. Um, <laughs> as students, oh Emma, you're gonna love this. As students yeah, of the cat, cat, as students of the cat style, oh and Michelle. Yes, that's why I grabbed my cat. <laughs> as, <laughs> as students of the cat style of kung fu, cat monks style. of this very civilized order train long and hard to develop quickness and agility. But they are also trained in the understanding, uh, uh, the underlying philosophy of the path, as well as the literature and arts of Sholung. This makes them clever debaters and gives them a depth of religious understanding uncommon among the Sholung priesthood. Okay. So, mm -hmm. okay. Um, oh, wow. Okay. The order. <laughs> wait. The order also. Women. Yeah. Women. What? Hey. The order has a large number of women in its ranks, more than any other Shouling sect. Uh, this is fitting as I Ching is the patron immortal of the sect. Monks of the order are highly prized as advisors, religious counselors, and personal bodyguards to the court. In fact, the abbotess, Yan Yu, Jade Eyes, uh, was once bodyguard to the emperor's mother. Uh, mon the monastery has been heavily endowed by wealthy court patrons and is very beautiful. Some might some well, that's very beautiful. Some might say opulent. That's grammatically very weird. Um, as the order supposed to be M dash, they use a short yeah, dash. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um, oh, as the order believes that great beauty also serves the path travelers and court patrons are very welcome particularly uh, for the news they bring food and lodgings are most pleasant and comfortable um, so like we got a lot of women but only if they're beautiful also I, I, I'm seeing consistency of food and lodgings at least pleasant and comfortable so far <laughs> I, I also well, see yeah. cat women I see yeah. a lot of cat women happening yeah, here. Yeah, cat women. Oh, great. Is, ab is abbotess a real word? word? I... Uh, we can Google search that. Okay. I, I mean, I think it's abbess. Yeah, I, I know abbotess exists. It's a word. Okay. Abbess okay. is the common one, though, I think. Yeah, abbess is the most common one, but abbotess apparently is one as well. It has a weird my... etymology on it, though. Abbotess is also just a weird one to say. Abbess is just so much easier. 
Yeah, um, because the I, I think it's the T. Well, I guess because it's oh, it's an obsolete form of abbess. Yeah, that's why because it stopped using the 17th century. Thank you, everybody. So, so this is <laughs> so. On, on one hand, it's like, hey, women are being represented in this campaign setting but then on the other end it's like they could only be here if they're beautiful but i just want to point out that they actually put women and cats together as if this is just like this is a thing commonly and i'm just like really of, of all the choices yeah they yeah. they they have to be like nimble agile I mean, I thankfully they didn't put them with the, the, the cobra one but geez <laughs> yeah I'm just imagining an, a, a monastery full of like eartha kits Essentially, <laughs> just, just a bunch of cat women who are really good debaters as well. Um, although I, I don't think it says that. Does it say that great, like the women have to be beautiful? It doesn't I say it was that just the like, women have to be beautiful. So, it says that they pri- they it says they prize they prize beauty, beauty. and there are women. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. these are not these are kind of not precisely mutually exclusive. Yeah, but, they're they're not but, mutually exclusive, but the conjecture is implied mm-hmm. because it's the temple of it has like oh women are allowed in this order, therefore yeah. oh, it's the beautiful one, and it's there's a lot to be said about the fact that it's what is it the the most civilized order, the most civilized, and yeah, it's the mm-hmm. one that has you know equal representation because it's the most civilized, which goes into a lot of the stereotypes that uh, a lot of orientalist stereotypes that you know women are treated really really poorly in a lot of like pre-colonial or uh like pre-colonial or a or in stereotypical like asian portrayals are always like oh women are portrayed as like terrible or unequal or fetishized or something like that and while there is a lot to unpack with that like it's the fact that they're equating like the western ideal of what civility is with like oh this is the 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 best temple is concerning and problematic yeah yeah I also think... the oh sorry oh, no Dan. go ahead michelle no go ahead michelle um i also just like the the abbotess uh the fact that she is uh her name is jade eyes i mean it's definitely green eyes is like more of a western genetic thing and like the the idea that she called jade eyes because she has green eyes or it like why it's 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 there's a lot to unpack there jade fist would have been so much cooler Yeah, yeah jade fist would have been very much cooler but mm-hmm. the but like the eyes and them being like green, yeah. I'm guessing like this sort of mm-hmm. there's like this weird trend of like m- making um, Asian people look more exotic by giving them like different colored and eyes. I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but they're like the abbotus jade eyes was once the bodyguard to the emperor's mother. Why not just the emperor? I think that would have said more about the order of the nimble hunter. Um, also, like. Are they just the nimble hunter because of the cat association? Because there's nothing else about hunting here. Yeah, I, I think, like how I think we it's say the association that in the cat with the cat. Well, I mean, people say this hunter. Yeah. As the, as the cat's butthole nimbly goes across. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as Emma said, Emma's cat is named Hunter. Yeah. Yep. Um, my cat is not nimble. Uh, <laughs> Good. Can we get can we get the cat's opinion on this? What do they think of the order? Yeah, of I know. Right? <laughs> I was ask, but my one of my cats is currently very nimbly licking her butthole. So I as cats do. As cats, cats do. do. So. My cat's asleep. So 
just just chilling. Um, I think a wa- I feel like Order of the Nimble Hunter is a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a wasted opportunity that very subtly slides into a lot of problematic tropes. Um, yeah, and yeah. not to yeah, they they threw in the tropes of like, oh, they're the literary and artsy uh, of all the monastic orders, and they're all conveniently cat ladies, and it's just like I'm like, also, what uh, is the what is the path? Have we talked about the path? I think no, I, <laughs> I think did they ever talk about? Oh wait, wait, wait. no, 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 we did. The way of the yeah. monk is a narrow way, for he must follow the path. They yeah. don't really say yeah. what the path is. Um, and, oh, I remember we joked about this because it said no matter how narrow the path, it may take many branchings before reaching the destination. So we instead like, of what's the path? What is the path then if it just goes everywhere? <laughs> well, I guess that's why, you know, they're cats because cats are liquid and they can like fit in very tight spaces. But that would, but then that, but then it sits. But then that has to apply to every monk order. Well, I guess. Cobras are thin and narrow, so they can go down the path. But bears, the strong claw monastery, bears. How are bears going to go down the path? Uh, Well, the bears fuck up the path. (laughs) (laughs) They steal the horse. They tackle the horse. Tackle the horse. Tackle the horse. (laughs) Gotta say though, if your if your character in D anD D is just like strong enough to just tackle horses, that's pretty epic. I will say that's pretty epic. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it's just like your GM's like, oh yes, and these like riders are coming at you. Who says I tackle the horse? <laughs> Usually it's like, oh, I'm gonna like dodge and get out of the way, or actually, I'll try to in my, shoot them. Actually, that's in my Unbreakable Adventure. You have to tackle a horse. <laughs> well, Jackie, you must have read this already. <laughs> I guess I must have unintentionally underlying reasons. Jackie, is that a uh, strong claw monastery poster behind you in your room? No. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, did you bad action eighties action movie poster of a bear just tackling a horse? <laughs> I feel that like would be the best. that could be a shirt. Just like that an adventure ta- tackling a horse. There, there is a magic card called Savage Punch where there's yes. a guy oh, just no. punching, punching a bear. A bear. Yeah. He punches a bear. And then like well, then they go back in tar- time. It's from their Tarkir set, which is their very Mongolian inspired uh, setting. It's like Mongolian oh. Central Central Asian Central and Asia, like Southeast yeah. Asian. Okay. So so I will say this, there is a very famous MMA fighter named Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh he's twenty nine and 0, one of the greatest fighters ever. And he wrestled bears when he was a kid. And there are videos of him wrestling bear like a bear cub uh, and he became a very 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 prominent dagestani wrestler um yeah i feel like this is where we're, we're treading into like vladimir putin urban legend territory <laughs> oh yeah the, most definitely <laughs> he only not only rides bears he wrestles them he wrestles bears oh. just like yeah. you're wrestling horses. a bear who's wrestling a horse <laughs> i keep thinking there's there's a or there was a metal band called i wrestled a bear once i feel like we need a i wrestled a horse once <laughs> i wrestled a horse Hor- horse wrestler or if we made like uh, if we if we made like a fake you know how like universe like colleges in the US have like a wrestling team and they have the wrestling team shirt we could make like a, a fake collegiate wrestling team and it's all about wrestling horses oh. <laughs> or if we made like a jersey and it's just and every we go to concert and be like whoa what team is that 
horse wrestlers. Just get like a Letterman, a Letterman jacket on the back. It just says like the most expensive a- agents represent merch ever. Horse yeah, wrestler wrestling let- team. Le- Letterman jacket. Letterman jacket. Okay, but here's yeah. the thing: I would 100 percent buy that. Me too. Me too. 100. <laughs> percent So buy it and wear it so often, though. I'm gonna write that down in my merch idea. Horse wrestler. <laughs> horse wrestling. Just a just a an amorphous mug person, just like. Grabbing, just tackling a horse. Well, I feel like what we could do is we could make like it would look like a heavy metal like band T-shirt, and it would be horse oh, wrestling. Oh my gosh! Yes. Is the silhouette mm-hmm. of someone suplexing a horse? <laughs> okay, it could be like our play on like instead of like you know how they have like Jordans and it's like Michael Jordan slam dunking, except yeah. we have the, the an adventurous suplexing a horse. <laughs> Here's another that, magic card where it's a man suplexing a bear. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I mean, think this look, is a, ha, look in Florida. We have people suplexing gators. Look, it's nothing that uncommon. <laughs> we'll add that to the list of the, the list of things we like about f- Florida. Florida, yes. Um, With my dad. <laughs> okay, so so it's it's key limes, oranges, Michelle's dad, Jackie, and that dude that suplexed a gator. Gator um, wrestling, yeah. Okay, it's the real thing. They do it a lot. <laughs> so I let's go. It. Let's go to White Crane Temple now. Um, also very narrow. Okay, this is also the first sentence is just weird. Um, white Crane Temple. The Order of the White Crane is located in Kirin, Hongshu Province. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So putting the Japan in my in my supposedly Chinese analog, and then associating the name of a Japanese mythological creature with White Crane. They could have could have put it anywhere else, right? They Honestly, also could have used the Chinese version of. The Kielin. name, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or you know they yeah. could have you, they could have you know what cool put the order of the white crane on a temple in the middle of a lake. That would have been yeah. nicer. The, the, the imagery would make more sense. Um, mm-hmm. The a, the order's abbot Chang Tui long legs. I'm thinking, crane. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about kung fu hustle. Yes. Oh, yep. Hey, you, Shorty, it stands up. <laughs> stands up. <laughs> I'm just thinking that it was a missed opportunity for the Order of Silence Abbot to be called No Legs. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, Long Legs maintains the traditions of the White Crane sect, a conservative tradition based on versatility and wor- based on versatility and worship of Shu Chia, the patron immortal. Members of the order are not only skilled in their devotions and kung fu training, but are also physicians, herbalists, astrologers, craftsmen, and historians. Equal time is devoted to the study of the path of enlightenment the crane style of kung fu and manual labor travelers are gladly offered the same simple sleeping mat vegetarian fare and training regime as the monks of the order those staying for any length of time greater than a week are required to work the white crane style of kung fu is noted for its grace and speed its sohei are masters of two paired weapons uh the jite sai butterfly blades and nunchaku that's it that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I okay. mean, it exists. <laughs> Here's the thing. So, so they're like, so. What about the? Okay, I guess they're trying to go on like cranes are like wise and all that. Um, 
Okay, so I, I think we're all at this point where we're just kind of baffled by what? Um, it, it's it, it really there's, feels like the most slapstick thing. Well, it's like, not like, a lot this. there. It's like, it's like here, here, they're like, they're like very devoted. They do kung mm-hmm. fu like every other temple here, right? But then they're also doctors, herbalists, astrologers, craftsmen. But then they say they do, they study the path of enlightenment, they practice kung fu, and they do manual labor, which isn't like, tied to the fact that they're doctors, herbalists, astrologers. Like that's and, a like, lot. Of, that's a lot to do in a day in a day to day life. Yeah, these are just very busy crane people led by I'm guessing I'm guessing Giselle Bunchen, who is <laughs> supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, like they've just described essentially a monastery. Yeah, they did because they do. Yeah. There are a lot of roles within an actual monastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the only I... thing that's different is they don't sleep in comfortable or pleasant settings. <laughs> yeah, and they don't eat vegetarian food. Yeah, but like all of the other temples have something unique about them, and this one they're just like, here's a temple. I mean, like, in some, some way, if I squint my eyes, I'm like, okay, I guess if they wanted to make an easy world, like, an easy option for people who wanted to make a character backstory but didn't want to feel beholden to, like, very strict principles of a, of a monk or a monastery or something, then, like, this is your basic bread option. But it's yeah. not fun. It's not interesting. There's not a lot to comment what, on. It's what, two paragraphs of nothing. What do you do here narratively if you're a GM or a player? It's like, let's go to the White Crane Temple, and you're just going to go there and be like, we'll stay here for a week. Okay, you got to do manual labor now. Like, what happens I mean, there? I feel like, like they could have taken this. Like, <laughs> I feel like they could have taken the White Crane and done their take on, like, the White Cranes are like the candle keep. It should have been phone. candle keep. That's what I was going to yeah, say. It's, that's what I'm saying. This is yeah. what it should have been. Because oh. it's, 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 they're pretty much describing candle keep with the exception of, oh, except with the outlandish rules that of getting into Candlekeep. Yeah, you have the to. opening yeah. accepting Candlekeep, so, which I'll be much more happier about. So for Emma, who doesn't know what Candlekeep is, a Candlekeep yeah, is... Yeah, I was just letting that happen. <laughs> yeah, I was also just letting that happen. Okay, okay. Like, yeah. uh, Michelle and Emma, Candlekeep is a great library, basically in the Western part of the D&D world. Oh. Uh, it's got a very, very exclusive entrance fee. It's got all the knowledge in the realms. Um Big it's the library of Alexandria with a with a much harder entry. Uh, yeah, entry. It's, it's the library of Alexandria. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, it's like Harvard, but <laughs> it's, it's library of Alexandria plus Harvard tuition fees. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, there there is like that one defining thing, which is like they only do paired weapons. Yeah. But like, what does that have to do with White Crane? Because they they're like they're like the this is they could have said like this is a place. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but, I but the GTA isn't out. really used as a two paired weapon though. So neither is a butterfly blade really. But okay. Well, no, I think they yeah. mean butterfly swords. I think they mean butterfly the swords. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like. Yeah. Butterfly blade? Like, no, no, they don't mean the knife. They don't mean the knife. They don't mean I'm the like knife. A knife? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think. <laughs> I think. I think they 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 don't mean like a ballad song. They they mean they mean butterfly swords from because yeah. it's a kung fu uh, weapon. Okay. 
Yeah. Gotcha. But but for me, I'm just like, a Chite isn't usually a two-paired weapon. It's usually just a single weapon. Also, not if you have two of them. Not if you have two of them. Also, if they were like, yeah, if they were going for like, oh, Nunchaku, like, iconic wielder of Nunchaku, Bruce Lee, single one. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this is a missed opportunity to essentially have the Asian candle keep, but a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because yep. as it take. is, it sounds less like a place that you go to and more just convenient characters if you need, like, physicians, herbalists, astrologers. That's what all of these are, though. Stuff. That's what all of these if are, I, though. If I need convenient lore, I go yeah. to the, the White Crane Temple. If I need like, if I need a resurrection because my party member died, I go to the White Crane Temple. It's like, if I need yeah. a bodyguard, I'll go to the Nimble Hunter, and if I need to bro out, I'll go to Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that that's it. Um, if I want to bro out and have really sad moments where I talk about injustices in the world. Yeah, <laughs> right? I also imagine, like, instead of pigeons, every time someone sits down, they get surrounded by snakes. <laughs> they just get covered. Yeah. But see, I, I do agree, like, the, the missed opportunity also for the crane, the, the, the crane temple to not be, like, like next to a lake is just a, a, a missed moment. Such there. a huge like, miss. That would have been... Yeah. That would have been just great. Because then you could have described like, oh yeah, they have a, they're on an island, and it's like, it's like the Air Temple in Avatar: Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. You know how it's in the middle yeah. of a lake, and it's like, oh yeah, to get there you need to go on these boats, and there's a ferry, and there isn't uh, like, you, they could have even said it's like a free ferry, and people go and they enjoy this journey over there, and they could describe the scenery, and how maybe the White Crane Temple has these aging defenses from when they were actually at war with people, right? And that's Mm -hmm. why they're so skilled at fighting. And they maintain these aging defenses because they know that one day they might have to defend themselves again. And so they are very skilled at their own martial arts and they're not just scholars. Basically, it's the Jedi Temple, it's Jocasta Nu, the character Jocasta Nu, the Jedi archaeologist. (laughs) Also, if if any of you are super into Star Wars and you like the idea of like, the aging scholar who could fight read the Darth Vader comic series Jocasta yes. New wields a lightsaber rifle yeah it's I, so cool it's yeah so it's cool. so she she's like pretty dope she's, she's pretty, pretty dope. dope she she yeah. like she you literally loads her lightsaber as ammo and shoots the weapon until it melts her lightsaber and it's gone yep. it's it, there, super there, dope. there was always a thing about how um <clears throat> Sidious actually feared Jocasta New almost as much as any other Jedi master I'm gonna throw the 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 art for the lightsaber rifle and Jocasta New into our chat uh, because yes, please. Yeah, it's it's the coolest real thing. Cool. Uh, real cool. She's she's real cool, and Jocasta yeah. New is the reason why Luke was even able to learn about the Jedi because she she after Order sixty six she basically went and like from memory made all of these holocrons, hid them behind mm-hmm. a wall that Luke would later find so he could form his mm-hmm. own order. Yeah, throughout, I think throughout the entirety of was it the Clone Wars, she was the one manning the Jedi archives, and mm-hmm. then yep. she preserved all that knowledge. She's just the coolest. And was she a yellow saber? Because it sounds like yellow I saber stuff. Um, I she ought- should have been if she wasn't. I feel yeah, like she fit. was, but let let me confirm because we are going to do a Star Wars <laughs> episode, by the way. God, uh, she's I, a blue thought- lightsaber. She's a blue lightsaber. Oh yeah, ah, she was blue. Okay. <clears throat> But yeah. if with the, all the archival stuff, she should have been yellow. I don't know. I, yeah. I think I think well, I think, well, I, think, I, think I feel like so 
Well, I, I feel, feel like she's with the Order Sentinels. So well, I feel like since there there are like the Temple Guard use yellow lightsabers, I think they want to distinguish Shokasanu yeah. from the Temple Guard mm-hmm. by having a blue it's lightsaber. Specifically, only Temple Guards, I yeah. think, in the era of the Clone Wars, used. The, the the yellow lightsabers. Mm-hmm. I think it, there was this. So there's only one other character who uses yellow lightsabers, and it's a Sag Ventress, but it's only in the Dark <laughs> Disciple book. But it was a good book. It's a super good book. Um, made that character so much more interesting. Um, sorry, the chat, I have to answer this. Joe Kerr just asked if she were to show up in The Mandalorian, uh, who would you cast as her? She wouldn't show up in The Mandalorian because she gets killed by Vader. Yeah. It's kind of hard to come back from that. Yeah, she gets killed by Vader. To be clear, um, that's expanded universe. So no, 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 that's a Vader comic. That's canon. Oh, that's, oh, that's it's canon. canon. That's canon. Oh, that's yeah. from the, that's was, from the new oh. canon Vader comic. Yeah, which are super good. Mind. Yeah, the lightsaber yes. rifle is also canon. Uh, there is yeah. flashbacks. It's possible that Jocasta New is the one. I haven't watched the new Mandalorian. Um, who saves the child? And I won't go any further because I don't want to spoil for anyone. But anyways, let's let's get into Order of we the Dragon Monster. We, we <laughs> we'll do a Star Wars episode, and Jackie, you should be on the Star Wars episode of the wrap up. Yes, we're gonna do. I will. I will be. I'll be um, for that one. <laughs> so, um, Order of the Dragon Monastery, the largest and best known monastery in Sholung. Uh, this order is home of the dragon form of Kung Fu. Each new year, the monastery hosts a great martial arts competition open to all orders within the Shouling priesthood. Bloodsport. Uh, the current abbot of the order, Iron Hand. Notice how they didn't give Iron Hand an Asian name. Yeah, they yeah. just literally just yeah. decided to say Iron Hand. It's like, <laughs> you know, you mean Iron Fist? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. When, when did when did Iron Fist as a character first appear? Uh, the sixties, I believe. Really? Because uh, because uh, because its power its power guy, which is Luke Cage and Iron Fist, were a, were a comic duo. Nineteen seventies. Seventy four. Yeah. Okay, so this yeah, it was is like they, late sixties or seventies. So at least they made Iron Fist Asian. So yes. bonus to points to them. Um, they didn't give him a name. Asian, they didn't give him say. a name though, so he doesn't really. He lacks identity. But hey, I, Iron Fist is Asian. We got what we wanted. We had. Did we just had. Know? But we just had to go to. But we had to go to Caratour. But we had to go to Caratour to do it. Um, okay, so uh, the current abbot of the order, Iron Hand, aka Iron Fist, won this competition seven times running. Although this occurred many years ago, he is a solid, thoughtful man with piercing eyes and a calm, friendly demeanor. However, he detests dishonesty and has an active dislike of the nobility, whom he views as self-seeking thieves. Sounds like the Cobra. I was gonna say it yeah. sounds like uh, it sounds it sounds like Iron Fist or Iron Ham. Sorry, <laughs> uh, has a lot of rela- has a lot to connect with the Order of Silence. <laughs> but, but every single order is welcome in the competition. Um, so I, I wonder. Uh, I just a quick sketch shows that they don't talk about the Order of Silence here. So a mm-hmm. missed opportunity. Um, the monastery's close location to the capital. The monastery's close location to the capital and its strong ties to the court have given the order a great deal of prestige. Dating back to early to the early Cao Dynasty, the actual monastery grounds predate the construction of the city of Quotelung, and have grown continuously over the past centuries. The buildings are of yellow brick with red tile roofs, and ramble over the length of breadth 
of the order's hilltop properties. The largest building is a four-story temple to the patron immortals Chan Cheng and Fa Quan. The life of a monk here is fairly traditional. If lighter in manual labor and heavier in comforts, then more conservative orders would approve of. Okay. Besides providing teachings for all classes of students, the monks also maintain farms, copy rare manuscripts, and go among the people to heal the sick and injured. In wartime, the Sohean monks of the Dragon Order are invaluable defenders of the emperor and serve with distinction in the army of the kingdoms. The Sohei are famed for their use of the Naginata and Halberd. Many have become members of the Imperial Guard and serve as both religious teachers and protectors within the walls of the Imperial Palace. Because the Order of the Dragon is in the largest city of Sholung, with all manner of um, hostelries and sanctuaries, it is unlikely that it will be used by travelers. In the court, the Sohead monks present will often 30% be of this order, uh, and that in any conflict between sects, they will automatically do what they feel is correct to protect the person or will of the imperial family. Do not, repeat, do not ask a monk of the dragon to do something treasonous or... or seditious. Um, he will kill you and atone for it later. Okay. That's a weird tonal shift. You notice that? It's like yeah. very matter of yeah. fact. It's like, do not repeat. Do not. Um, the monastery and temple settings offer a wide variety of possible adventures. Monks may join forces with imperial soldiers to fight military threats. They can wander aimlessly across Sholung, seeking enlightenment and incidentally fighting monsters, evil brigands, and corrupt officials. Okay, there's so a lot to talk about. Wow. Well, here's the thing. They're like they're like these like scholars. But the order of the nimble hunter, they just said they have one of the best knowledges of all the religion, right? Um mm -hmm. they said that they're bodyguards, but then also aren't the nimble hunter prized for being personal bodyguards of the court. Um also then, Emma, you'll notice that they bring in the Japanese weapons or Oriental Adventures. Yeah. Um, nothing I, is I, super unique about the dragon, yet they put the most effort into actually trying to flesh them out. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's some... I think that there's maybe a little bit of implication here that perhaps, like, the Order of the Nimble Hunter is more like personal bodyguards, whereas, like, these monks of the dragon are, like more of uh, military like more like foot soldiers yeah right like they actually will, yeah. they have their own because they have their own position yeah they're like the royal guard the i guess army. yeah yeah i they could have talked about how this clan or this monastery i should say is at odds with the order of silence yeah because the order of silence yeah, are corrupt natural. yeah Right, and also the order of silence was never fully um, was never fully recognized by the government. So mm -hmm. there is definitely a big setup here, like a showdown between the order of the cobra and the order of the dragon. 
Yeah. Um, and, and and it feels like because like the order of the Cobra had like this bit, like this earlier bit about like, well, they started out as these people who were out to fight injustices. And it's like, well, it kind of fits with what the dragon really wants to do too. And it feels like you could have had a nice, like they had an understanding and then there was a separation because things broke down and, you know, the Cobra eventually started not following up with what they originally held their ideals. And that could have been great. We could have had a great clash there and a good hook for the both of them. Yep. Also, what if I told you that you you had a wide variety of potential adventures, but you could either do fight military threats or wander aimlessly until you can fight things? What would you pick? Because that's what they say at the end. Uh, yeah. That whole wander aimlessly thing is like... <laughs> It's okay. it's it's wander aimlessly. It's like it's it's the murder hobo thing of D and D. Yep. Except, <laughs> yeah. except with the added layer of you're seeking enlightenment. It reminds me of like that yeah. like Newtonian physics, where it's like an object in motion will stay in motion unless something tries to impede it. That's kind of how you are as a wandering murder hobo hero. You just gotta like do 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 do. Oh, I find something to fight. Yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not exclusive to Caratour. That's yeah. that's D and D in yeah. general. We did mm -hmm. good murder tourism. Murder tourism. Yes. Maybe yeah. we'll see that. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like the the dragon is like is uninteresting. It's. I wish they had put that much detail into some of the other ones. Like, I feel like the white crane could have used some some real work mm -hmm. over there because I think out of so we've looked at. Dragon Monastery, White Crane, Nimble Hunter, Silence, Strong Claw. Um, now that we're at the end of the monasteries, I want to know what's everyone's favorite. I mean, uh. <laughs> I, I think it's purely for the joke, the wrestling bears one. Oh yeah, the rest of, like, the <laughs> oh wrestling yeah, for sure. One. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, just because of the joke, I think. Like I still think that like the order of silence could have been super cool and there was a lot of potential there and so like i i not on it it's i don't know how to word this but like it's my favorite not because i like how it's presented but i think it has a cool concept and god i wish it was done better i agree oh yeah i agree, I agree. I I agree that the Strong Claw Clan is probably my favorite, although, oh, cats, I mean, Nimble, Nimble Hunter. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, cats. But um, the, the, the naive campiness of the Strong Claw of the Strong Claw monks just like tackling horses like their football teams is pretty great. Well, I also think it would be really cool because it's like you go to the Strong Claw and you just see all of these like really, really like ripped Asian people just like tackling horses in a field glistening with sweat. Oh my god. I, I think you yeah. could, I'm just like yes. woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I think you could do a lot with that. Yeah, uh, you can get, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and then, and then the care, and then, and then the adventurers say, "Like, why did we spend so much time at that frat house, hanging out with those monks with the cobras?" Right. Well, I think it's, and, it feel, and it, I think it feels funny because, like, the the strong claw is like technically the first order you probably will meet going from uh, entering Corator uh, from like the western part of of the region, and then you then reach out and find out all the rest of them because I think. Yeah, because they, um, they're they're in the map. They're in that that yeah. one particular region where you enter through the mountains. 
Right. So like they're like so they're your first one, and it's just like so you gave us the hot like really like chiseled Asians. Oh, Thanks. I appreciate okay. that. Is it is it the <laughs> is it the is it the himbo order? Is that yes, the the himbo order? That's what it is. That's what it is. I think we got to make these horse wrestler like jersey t shirts. Like, we got to make that. Oh, we can get Steve. Steve lifts, right? Like, we can yeah. we, we do a photo shoot. We can do a photo shoot. <laughs> Just like bicep curls. Like oh my god! This this could be the D and D fitness merch. They're bicep curls of cults. Just this like, is this yeah, is the D and D fitness like, merch. Just like horse wrestlers. Oh, mm. god! Um, I'm gonna find an I'm gonna find a graphic designer and artist to design. A, a we need shirt like little enamel pins. Yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah, we need an enamel pin for that. Ooh. But yeah. okay, I will say though, our idea of like like athletic and like very very attractive asian people wrestling horses as your first it's like that's that, that kind of undermines a lot of the stereotypes people have of of asian characters it's kind of neat and they yeah. also yeah. say they're super welcoming of yeah. travelers so it's just like as long as they don't come on horses and it's, yeah, just, like, it's just like it's just like <laughs> what's up in a horse bag, it's like, they, they kind of flip their hair and they're like Sorry, I just finished wrestling this horse. <laughs> Welcome. Also really buff and like totally fine. <laughs> Welcome to the Strong Claw Monastery. It's like the volleyball scene in Top Gun where everyone's like... Oh, super God, yes. <laughs> but it's all Asians. over the hills. I think there's some cool stuff you could do there. Oh, I, I love it. I think that it. sums yeah. up the entire monk section. There's some cool stuff you could do there. Yeah. yeah, there's some they cool just stuff didn't you didn't do, do anything there. with them. <laughs> it wasn't done, but you know. You know. Yeah. If you really, the been. only cool thing, like, just join the Strong Claw Monastery. Yeah, clearly. You're the coolest. Yeah. You don't get attacked by snakes, and you get to wrestle horses. Like, Get to wrestle horses. <laughs> Everyone's pretty welcoming. And, yeah, it seems cool. And, and I feel like they also take care of the horses, and they're not just, like, mm-hmm. hurting the horses. They're like, it's okay, horse. We just wrestled. It's all good. <laughs> Um, I also just look back. The order accepts both male and female novices. So mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the. There we go. Strong claw. It's the most. It's the most. Yeah. It's one of the more inclusive ones. Um, it has a lot of personality. It does. I, I don't appreciate like the coded aggression against like. <laughs> yeah, there are some. Yeah. There are some changes. I think. I think our our vision of the strong claw as like. Yeah, we're know. kind of making some things up here, but for the most <laughs> yeah. part. It definitely yeah, has the most personality. Um, we're extrapolating a lot, and they also yeah. are intellectuals too. So they don't just—they're not just like they don't just wrestle horses. They also study. They they, they work their bodies, their bodies, so, so basically, and so their basically, minds. Not like, they're not like full himbos. They're like the per, they're like the ideal like nerdy jock, and you're just like yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just yeah. You're like, and then when they just like pull down like an anatomy chart of a horse. See, like, I came right, from magnet school, so even the jocks had high IQs too. So it was just like, oh, so this is what it's like to have perfection. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. oh, this is. God. They're also really nice. I like yes, how welcoming. They're also super nice. Central. So okay. <laughs> like yeah. So we want this. So we have two merch ideas. We have like the the horse wrestlers as like a collegiate sort of wrestling shirt, and then we have like the crab shrimp clan pin. Ooh. Yeah. There's so much to do here. Anyways. Um, I think someone in chat was like, "Can we have a shrimp oh. suplexing a horse?" 
<laughs> I think we need to get art of Agatha's shrimp knight character rest mm. suplexing a horse and then Steve of course appears in chat and is like did someone say nerdy jocks <laughs> you'd probably get in trouble with uh, branding but you could also do a white claw style strong claw oh, strong thing. claw oh my gosh yeah Ooh. God, like you know, like a uh, beer koozie or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. that'd be so cool. It's like a horse... beer. Yeah, like oh, that would be so good. Maybe like um a, sh- a horseshoe with like three lines <laughs> over it. <laughs> to have, like, so we. So what yeah. an interesting thing is that like so we signed a like a non exclusive merch deal with Heart of the Deer and a Corn, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And. I was like, oh, are we going to – one idea was like we do – because we have the new Asians represent logo and a lot of people are like, oh, it's the noodle dragon. We literally have like a little dragon eating noodles, like a bowl of noodles. Oh, that's so cute though. We could do that. Oh, yeah. We could do that and we could do horse wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I, I love this. Horse wrestlers of Carator, like – just yeah i don't know if you can i don't know if you need character character. Character. i don't think character. Don't need character. okay just like horse wrestling we just yes. like horse wrestling and then we could just say like we could call it like strong claw university horse wrestling yes. yeah. they don't call you horse wrestling varsity yes. varsity strong horse claw, wrestler strong claw yes. university I'm going to write this down. Uh, varsity horse it has, wrestling. It says varsity. It has to say varsity because you just got to make it. It has really to be varsity. Yeah. 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 Sign me up for this merch, please. It, because then it makes you think about like, hold what, up. Not, what's non varsity? Hold up. This is like, this is what? So I will. Oh, I, oh I, there's a good one. Horse so wrestling pinup calendar. <laughs> Oh my god! Strong, strong claw horse wrestling. Okay, okay, hold, hold up, hold up. So I just searched horse wrestling, and there is a traditional, yeah, Kur- there's a traditional Turkic Kur- Kyrgyzstan mm-hmm. sport called Ur Enish, and it's equestrian horse wrestling. It's yep. horseback wrestling. This is yep. a thing. Yep. So you wrestle each other on horseback, off of the horse. Off the horse. Yeah, but, yeah. but you're not wrestling so the horse. Right. But you're not wrestling the yeah. horse, but that's still pretty epic. That's still yeah. really cool. Okay, yeah, so... It, it, yeah, oh, my God. It's great. And horse there's also wrestling? horse wrestling in Spain, too, apparently. Damn, what okay. Not I, I don't like the fact that I Googled this and I have, like, people also search for monkey wrestling, deer wrestling, and llama wrestling. The oh. llama one, I can, the llama oh, one I can understand. But the oh, yeah, llamas are just terrified. Concerned. I think in Canada we have goose wrestling. You lose every single time. <laughs> oh. Okay, so we got you don't, so, you don't you don't ever you don't ever win against the Canadian goose. <laughs> so do do we want to start diving into government and politics? We have we've got time. I, I could. We, I do, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start let's it at least. Let's let's start Forward it. Movement. Keep going. We have some momentum. Um, government and politics. Great is the government of show, great in its scope, grand in its execution, magnificent in its justice and adaptability. The citizens of Sholung owe their ultimate allegiance to the emperor. He is the son of heaven and the divine gate to the celestial sphere. The symbol of the eternal empire, he is wise, just, and merciful to those who oppose his command. Under him, the bureaucracy and the court exist only as agents of his will. 
The emperor chooses his own successor from those he deems most suitable, usually the eldest sons of his bloodline, but often a daughter if no son is available. He may choose to resign his high office and return to private life, but this is most rare. For behind each emperor rests the fate of a dynasty. And in a land where ancestors are worshipped as near gods, even the Son of Heaven must honor the traditions and deed of those who came before him. Okay, so they're, they're playing on like the Chinese mandate of heaven. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, the, the passing on of you know, succession to sons. They're, they're just basing this on Chinese history. I think the interesting yep. part is like, oh, yes, I'm just going to give up the mandate of heaven and retire. <laughs> You, you really can't. You really can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, be, be, you can see how people even now reacted to when the emperor of Japan abdicated. Yep. Yep. I think so, it, like a lot of people reacted very strongly to that, despite the fact that monarchy and whatever now it's like not as big of a deal. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a huge deal. What about Thailand? In Thailand? Remember when they. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huge deal. Um, and in, like in Jordan, they have a king as well. Um, mm -hmm. His propaganda is very interesting in that country. Oh, yes. Didn't he appear on episode of Star Wars? No, Star Trek. Star Trek. Like, He's a huge Trek. Yeah. But a huge the, the, we used to have this play this drinking game in uh, on the field team I was on. Um, at the end of every dig season, we would go to like a club and we would pre-drink, but we'd play this game called Kings. And we write down all of the different forms of King Abdullah propaganda we would see. And it's like King with wife king with kids and then it would be a certain number of drinks <laughs> and I, I i kid you not one of them was king with sniper rifle and there is propaganda of the king of jordan he just got this big sniper rifle and sniper he's aiming rifle. it yep. and that's it yep and there's also I've king with it. rocket launcher yep <laughs> excellent um, but i think the thing here the the big thing about this mandate of heaven section is that They've taken the Son of Heaven title and they've divorced it from Sholung religion, right? The, the belief yeah. in the mandate of heaven is very much a religious thing and is a part of, um, you know, the Chinese understanding of the divine. And it's not really a title that you could just give up, right? It's something that you could lose because the mandate of heaven can be lost by the leader of China if things go bad for the country. So like famine plague floods are all signs that the gods want a new leader of humanity uh, but they've kind of they've they haven't put that nuance into this it's just like oh son of heaven is a title and you know you can resign if you want um but that's really not how it works i i think it had a lot it has a lot to do with the fact that because of how the Faerunian cosmology works and so that's why they it couldn't work the same way that's why they ended up divorcing it but it, but then it makes the whole thing feel kind of a moot point. Yeah, mm -hmm. like it just really takes away a lot from the the inherent the the things that matter for the for that heaven the, the heavenly mandate. So yeah, it's um, like it's like they've made this they've made this digestible in a way where you can understand it within the context of European kings and queens. Um, mm -hmm. But in China, it's different. Um, yeah. yeah, they've taken the cosmic more... side away from it. It reads almost more like, um, like the Pope, basically. Like it, 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 like when I was reading it, I was thinking like, oh, this is just like when Pope Ratzenberg decided to step down and 
now we have Pope Francis and it's sort of this weird kind of demarcation between divine the divine choosing of the next person to lead the church but then the, the previous one can just step down and so you have like kind of it, it's it's strange and that's how i feel about this too yeah it, again a missed opportunity to really highlight a, a unique way of viewing the leader of china mm-hmm. um so yeah, let's just, it, oh go ahead it, it, real quick, it's just one of those things where it's like because I know part of this is to point out, uh, you know, what things can, what people, what what we can learn from this that we can do better in the future, right? And so this is a really good example of people trying to adapt real world, an, a, a real world understanding of like nobility and religion to a fantasy setting, and it. When you do that, you have to take into account like you know all factors and all context of that real world precedent and make sure it's done respectfully in a way that adapts it for that fantasy setting while not losing what makes it so meaningful to the people that mm-hmm. are actually actually believe or and or are affected by it. And I mm-hmm. think that's something really important for people to, as they're building their own worlds and basing things off real cultures and, and, and histories and stuff to make sure to look into that history and don't take it off like the surface and really look into why people believe what they did, why certain things were the way they were in that, in that society. And it's, it's important to remember to respect and build with conscient conscientiousness. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, it's just a matter of like, and I know that there are going to be people who are watching this and like, look, they had a small writing team, minimal budget, I get that. Um, but even with a small writing team, you can take time to do research because this book came out a couple of years after Oriental Adventures came out. Um, but anyways, there's, there's, I want us to kind of start reading The Emperor um, because there's something in there that's very relevant to the current D&D discourse. So Emperor Kai Sao Shou Chin. That's like four, four names. Chinese culture. Okay, sure. 10th level samurai slash noble. We already talked about that, so we don't need to dwell on that. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Lawful good, human male, with one quarter Henga Yokai blood. Yeah, I read the Henga Yokai. I, I, yeah, like, I saw that. Okay. okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, so in Oriental Adventures... And... Yeah, so, so okay. In Oriental Adventures, they, they had Henga Yokai, um, and they're basically like shape-changing animal like human animal hybrids uh it's very much like like a japanese thing they they they, in ad&d they portray them as like um like a fox person yeah like the kitsune kind Mm -hmm. of individual okay kind of similar yeah um and so what's what i found interesting about this is that they've said here we go the leader of the current leader of sholung is a human with one quarter Henga Yokai blood. So what does that mean in D&D? Because right now we're just like, you're either like a full human or you're half this, half that, right? Um, but now we see like we have a human male with one quarter Henga Yokai blood. What does that mean from a narrative perspective? Does he have Henga Yokai abilities? But also as a player, I'm like, oh, if you could have one quarter Henga Yokai blood, how can I do that too? But also, is that a desirable thing? Like, is that supposed to be a plot point where it's just like, oh, I don't know about... 
Yeah, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see what this means, right? But I think what's interesting is that this is the first time that I've seen something in D&D where they've said that, you know, there is a mixed character, but not in the way that mixed characters have currently been or usually portrayed in D&D. Mm -hmm. It's usually like I am half human or half something, half orc, because they always say half orc, right? Half elf, but half what's the other half. Um, but this is like the child of like a couple, like a generation down. So it's an it's interesting thing to think about because I wonder how you could possibly do that in d and I would I would love for that, um, given our most recent conversation on Tasha's. But anyways, in his middle 50s, the Emperor Kai Sao Shou Chin uh, truly lives up to his name of Rebuilder of the Dragon. He is a tall, powerfully built man with the stature and character of his mountain ancestors. Calm, slow, slow to anger and thoughtful, he rules with a firm hand over the mighty empire, its sprawling bureaucracy and its contentious nobles and priests. Under his directives, the navy and armies have been rebuilt. And there is a peace with Wa and Kozakura. His gathering of the pearls has recovered much of what previously weak emperors have lost. Kai Chin faces many obstacles in his reign. Chief among these is the opposition of the Mandarinate to his policies of reform. Uh, the addition of science and alchemy to the traditional ministries is viewed with alarm, as are his policies of eliminating corrupt officials and replacing them with new blood. He has angered the nobles by refusing to allow new fiefs and properties to be taken from peasant lands, and the official faith of the empire faces a great schism uh, which he must somehow heal over in the coming years. Kaichin's empress and two concubines have provided him with a total of eight heirs, including three fine sons in direct line of succession. His daughters are both clever and accomplished, sharing the same great beauty as their mothers. At present, his greatest family problems have been the recent kidnapping of his next to youngest daughter and his eldest son's enraged reaction upon learning that Princess Mei Ling uh, was seriously involved in a uh, secretly involved in a romantic liaison with the younger prince of Tulung. Let's talk about that last paragraph. Wow. Mm. So, so, so they're like, okay, so the emperor has a wife and two concubines who have no identity here. No. No identity, no, no. no names, nothing. They're, no. they're just here to, to give him heirs. And he has three very fine sons and he has daughters. They're clever and accomplished, but are also very beautiful like their mothers. Very important. <laughs> yes, they're pretty. And they get kidnapped yeah. and, they get, and they get kidnapped and his son is very upset that one of the princesses is having a romantic affair with a young prince from a different Asian nation. So, like, all the drama is because of them. All the drama is because I, I, of them. Like, there's all this, and then, like, sea drama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Like, this is a sea drama, but, but really poorly written. I, yes. I just also, I find it hilarious in a, just a sad way that, what is it, the kidnapping of mm -hmm. a daughter is placed directly next to 
Oh, and the prince is angry that his I can't that tell is, that his, his sister. I sister think it's his sister. Is, yeah, his mm-hmm. sister is in love with another prince with a prince from another nation. Whoa! Also, one of the daughters is kidnapped. You know, same yeah, same <laughs> level the same of daughter. Yeah, That's my question. Is it the same daughter? No, I don't. Th- I, I think that's different daughters. No, because it's a comma. Because comma, they, you're right. So it's actually two different re- incidences. Okay, wow. But we also don't I'm know like, enough so about weird. them. We don't know enough about them because they don't say but the we names. We name the next to youngest daughter. Like we couldn't just we gave a name to another princess, but we can't give a name to the next to youngest. There are five daughters. Only one of which has a name, and the other one has been kidnapped. <laughs> the other three just don't exist. But the question is: Does anyone know who kidnapped her? Does anyone know, like, why? Yeah, that's, no, that's for is you. Is that to supposed GM. to be like, yeah, a plot yeah. hook or something? That, 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 that I can like, I can. If I squint, I can understand it. I just, if I squint, I'm I not fond it. of it. Yeah. I'm but not, if they yeah. wanted to create plot points, why don't they list something for each of the children? Yeah. Uh, other than I, the one son being angry because his sister <laughs> likes someone. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's just, again, it's like, they don't have their, they're for the most part, unnamed. Yep. And they are talked about within the context of their beauty and their ability to make children for the emperor. Uh, you know, yeah. as you yeah. go. Just, That's how you do. Because uh, they start off with uh, some interesting stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, he's like calm, slow to anger, thoughtful, you know. And then they kind of go to like, and then he's like slowly being undermined with all by all of these people. And, oh, wait, science and alchemy are viewed with alarm. Even though, like, if you think about it, science and alchemy in ancient China was very yeah. prominent. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> it was like the backbone of medicine and like navigation and stuff. Like and astrology and everything else. Like we got the calendar from it. Yeah. It's, or even if you think about like the the first Qin emperor who was like dying and sent people all over to find the secret to immortality so he could live. And like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're taking this whole idea of like suspicion of science and alchemy and they're kind of taking sort of this the European idea of like, well, the, how is this going to clash with fantasy magic in D anD D? And they're just taking that over to China, where I, I magic is seen as yeah. the science. I think there's also like the the underlying oriental orientalist stereotype of like you know science is Western and civilized, and so we must bring it to the uncivilized Asians because they do not like it and they refuse to believe in it and therefore they are uncivilized and in need of saving. Yeah. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, but they're not but they're not as enlightened. I mean they're trying, but they're not as enlightened. But they're doing it the wrong they're, way. They're trying because all they're yeah. doing is they're, colonialism. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're doing enlightenment the wrong way because they're constantly getting distracted as they go for these wanderings by monsters and brigands and oh. having their daughters kidnapped. Yeah. And or yeah, or and having all your monk orders being in, in having constant infighting. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, we have this really cool, thoughtful leader, and then it's just like, oh, he can't keep everything. He can't maintain order, and his family is a mess. And it's just like that isn't that isn't the only way to make a an interesting leader of a nation, right? Yeah. This, this is also. Like, it's a really poor way of, you know, 
showing that there are women in your world, right? In the first, so let's, in two pages, so we have pages six and seven, we have seen more mentions of women than in all of Oriental Adventures, that, that entire book. <laughs> to be fair, it's a really low bar. It's a r- super it's a low, really bar. low bar. It's a really <laughs> low bar. <laughs> women, they exist. Except they're only, they, they can only be like cat ladies. Yep, they yep. can be part of strong, strong claw himbo. They, oh yeah, you know what? It's true. They can be <laughs> strong claw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gotta do this strong claw. Yeah, we gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> Asian, Asians represent fans. When we meet each other, we go strong claw. <laughs> strong claw. <laughs> strong claw. <laughs> Three claw, strong claw. Um, um, oh my god. Let's come to this. <laughs> when 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 cons become a thing. When cons become a thing. We're gonna be haunted by this one episode. Look, when cons <laughs> become a thing, we're gonna have like okay, we're gonna have like Strong Claw University varsity horse wrestling shirts. It's gonna be a <laughs> yes. thing. Um it's gonna be so great. Like anyone else who like meets someone. Oh, I can't like, wait. What? I can't wait. It's just everyone's gonna look. I just wanna see the reaction. That's really what I want. <laughs> I can't wait for people to buy this merch thinking that it's just like Caratour fans, if people buy it for that reason. <laughs> You're a fan of the Straw Club Monster? Yeah, I am too, totally. Huge fan. Uh, yeah, Excellent. Yeah. Sure, honey, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Sweetheart. Uh, okay, honey, no. so, so we have our merch ideas. Um, that being said, we are, we are out of time. And I think the ending on the Emperor's is... Uh, it's like a good stopping point because following this, we're going to talk about the Mandarinate, the Chancellors, oh. and the rest of the... Yeah. Um, oh, boy! Yeah. Oh, boy. So we will be back in the new year with more Caratour. We're back in the new year with more Caratour. Uh, we're actually going to be... Uh, hey, get this. January uh, January 2nd, so the first week of January, just after New Year's, we're going to do this. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I can't wait. Caratour 2021. Caratour 2021. <laughs> Same Orientalism. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, that being said, I want to I wanna thank you, folks. I'm so glad we got to do this because we missed last month. Um, yeah. I, I, I missed chatting with all of you. I honestly, I think this is my favorite episode. This is my favorite one because I think there were just so many jokes, but also so much bad stuff to talk about. Um, I'm excited for what's to come. If you folks are watching this live, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube or listening to it in audio format on our podcast feed, we appreciate you. I wanted to let you all know that we have a new series every single Friday. Agatha, Steve, and myself host The Wrap-Up, which is our new sort of fast news discussion show. Uh, The first episode uh, will be coming to our YouTube channel and potentially our podcast feed very soon. We talked about race, D&D, and Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Um, Since we only do this monthly, I want to make sure that everybody knows who y'all are because y'all are awesome. Uh, Let's start on the overlay. We'll go uh, Michelle, Jackie, Emma, and then Mackenzie. Michelle, what do you do? Everyone should follow you, but tell people why. Thank you. Yes. Um, hi, I'm Michelle Rapp, aspiring horse suplexer. Um, 
Ceramic. Add that to your Twitter bio, please. <laughs> no, this is definitely no. I'm changing. I'm changing my title to like Sealy Queen and Queen of Seals to just <laughs> Strong Clara Horse Wrestler. Division One um, Horse Wrestler. Olympia Olympic Gold Medal Horse Wrestler. Um, uh, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Kiln Fiend Potter. That's K I L N fiend potter um i'm a ceramicist i have uh, i'm an artist i do a lot of geeky nerd art stuff um i also am on the lord voice which is a which is a magic the gathering Vorthos comedy podcast i also write for card kingdom and yeah you can basically follow me on twitter where i yell at the world and expect nothing back from the void your twitter is pretty fantastic and i hope you, you i hope you eventually finish that giant donut you're eating no i've i've passed it on to my partner he's, <laughs> he has a metabolism of everything <laughs> like self-care is very important this year so i i take pride in that so uh don't overeat <laughs> Especially big donuts. Especially big matcha donuts. Of a a romantic partnership, you can hand off your giant donut to them. Here, take it, take it, please, God. Yeah, like find find some, like find yourself a partner who will take your giant matcha donut leftovers. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll have we'll make sure we bring you on when we do like a relationships and romance episode. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Jackie, how about you? I know you got some stuff going on too. Yes, I do. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackie. You can follow me on Twitter at Death by Mage. I am a freelance tabletop RPG writer and editor. Uh, I do a lot of different things, and but the primary big thing I'm working on right now is I am the creative lead for the un, for Unbreakable. Uh, we are we're just featuring all the Asian stories written by Asian writers and Asian artists. So and Daniel was was great and was in Volume One. We have a so I will announce it here, and we will eventually start announcing it sooner than later. Exclusive. Uh, but in 2021. We are announcing that there are going to be several volumes of Unbreakable coming out. Uh, we are featuring also we're featuring indie RPG systems, and we're also featuring D and D five E. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, it is going to be a big year for Unbreakable, and for a lot of the people who signed up for it. So we are going to have a big uh, blowout for it, and. Yes, if you haven't noticed, we're ha- if you for those of them uh, for our our uh, writers and readers and everybody in there. Uh, yes, we are basically almost <laughs> producing the same amount of quality as a high end publisher on a really small team. <laughs> twenty twenty one. There's some light in twenty twenty one. Let's go to you, Emma. What have you got going on? Yeah. Uh... that's always a question so yeah i'm emma you can find me on twitter at starch geologist i am an archaeologist who uses starch to reconstruct foodways in japanese prehistory so that's kind of my deal i also am fascinated with the intersection of pop culture and the past and use of prehistory and history in popular media so i will be teaching a class about that uh, unfortunately, people can't just randomly join, but if you are interested, I could easily talk about these things. And that class is at the day. University of Toronto. University of Toronto, yeah. Varsity Horse Wrestling Team. Varsity Horse Wrestling Team. <laughs> uh, wear, please wear that shirt to one of the lectures you I, teach. I gotta. If I have it, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get this. This is gonna happen. I'm gonna get this made. This. Yes. Okay, we're gonna do this. Okay. Yes. Um, now. Hoodies, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do like mugs, hoodies. We'll 
everything. Pens? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Emma, you also work as a cultural consultant and sensitivity reader. I do. As well. So Recent work- addition to things I do. But yeah, in uh, my brief time in TTRPG, I've really started to like doing sensitivity reading and cultural consultancy. I find it very rewarding and interesting. And you've and you've done some D and D stuff now. You have a D and D sensitivity read for a Japanese product under under your belt now. Way to go! Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then Mackenzie, what about Hi, you? Uh, so I'm Mackenzie Mackenzie Diarmus. Uh, I'm over at Mackenzie Lane DA on Twitter. Um, I'm a D and D designer and writer. Uh, I've got a couple projects coming out with MCDM very shortly. I have stuff coming out on their Patreon as well as with Kingdoms and Warfare. Um, but most importantly, I was the lead writer for The Islands of Sina Una, which is a 5e setting based around pre-colonial Filipino culture and mythology. Um, you can get that oh, you can get that right now over on thedeckandmany.com. You can buy the PDF right now, uh, and you can also still pre-order the hardback, which will be delivered hopefully January 2021. That's what we're hoping. Um, it's super awesome working with that team. They We talk a lot about doing research and conscientious world building, um, throughout this series while we read this and I cannot stress enough how amazing our team of researchers for Sina Una were and was and how diligent they were in doing that research and it's it's hard to make a really good setting based on real world cultures and doing it respectfully and I have the utmost respect for all those people who were involved and I had the pleasure of working with that's fantastic y- y'all are y'all are changing the game um, so proud to be able to do all of this with you folks. Um, I, there was a typo on our overlay, so if you're watching the video or if you watch us live on Mackenzie's on Mackenzie's handle, I fixed it. But again, it's um, Mackenzie Lane DA. I've put it in our chat. It will also be in the description to the video. Um, y'all are awesome. Thank you for joining me. I'm so happy we were able to get through all these like kung fu monasteries. Um, <laughs> yeah. And especially now that we have a merch idea finally. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Of course, wrestling. Yeah, so like wrestling. Go strong, Claw University. Yay.